Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We're a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. If you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5, we're going to pick up back in our um, series called No Other Gospel uh, that we started uh, back in the fall, and then we took a break for Advent. So uh, Galatians chapter 5, there should be a black hardback ESV there somewhere near you. Uh, if you need a Bible, that's our gift to you. You feel free to take that today. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, and we're gonna, we've just sang a lot about freedom, and we're about to read about it. Okay, So this is, uh, this is an exciting morning as we get into God's Word and get into Scripture and see what God has for us. But uh, I just want to say Happy New Year, Happy 2020. Can you believe that it's a new decade, right? Isn't that weird? It's just weird to think about the fact that it's 2020. Has anyone struggled to write a date yet? Anyone had that problem where they wrote 2019 down and they're like, ah, and you got to scratch it out? I'll be doing that all the way to April, I'm sure. But um, 2020 vision. I want to kind of throw this out to you. I don't know if you're like me. Anyone here uh, visually impaired? Uh, yeah. So I have contacts in today, and I've noticed now that I'm in my 40s that I used to not be able to see far away. Now I can't see up close. Things are just going to, eventually, I'm just not going to be able to see, right? It's just all like mixing together. Uh, so when I was a kid and I had to go get my eyes checked, they would put you in that little dark room and they dilate your eyes, you know, and they give you those really cool glasses when you left, those paper glasses. So uh, I'd go in this room and they would put all these uh, different letters and numbers up on the screen. Anybody been here with me? And they say, tell me what the smallest letters are that you can read, right? So the goal of this is to get the right prescription. Right, That's the goal. The goal is to say, I need the lenses that are going to help me see the best. For me, the goal was, let me prove to them that I'm not as blind as they think I am. Right? Anybody else like that? They're like, I'm going to make things up. I, I'm going to guess at all of these. I'm going to see what I can do because I don't want them to think that I can't see. And so my game every year began to be, well, let's see if I can keep my, my vision prescription exactly the same every year. And so I would guess and I would try and and without fail, they would be like, no, nope, your eyes got worse, you know, and I'd be like, oh, okay. So um, a vision is being able to see clearly. That's vision, right? And I kind of feel like when it comes to spiritual things, we play a game. The goal is to be able to see clearly what God says to us. It's to be able to view our lives in such a way that we look through the lens of Scripture and we say, this is exactly what God has called me to be and to do and to live and to exist for his glory. And yet we don't want the proper vision a lot of times. We just want to prove that we're not as blind as we really are. We want to put on such a good game face that even when we show up at church, that people look at us and they say, they're not that bad. They're not that blind, right? Even Jesus would talk to the Pharisees and he would say, you blind guides. You follow the rule, but you missed out on the greater thing, which is mercy. Andy Stanley says it this way when he talks about vision. He says, vision is just a dream of what could be fueled by a passion of what should be. When you think about 2020, let me ask you, do you have a dream of what could be when it comes to your walk with Christ? And more importantly, are you fueled by a passion that it should be? I think that's where we run into a problem is, oh, it could be this but we may lack the passion to fuel it. Psalms 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. 
this year in 2020, my prayer is that we will get a gospel vision, a 2020 vision of who Jesus Christ is and that we will taste and see that the Lord is good. That's my prayer. Um, And I want us to pray in that regard. Thomas Watson said this, till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Many of us need to understand how bitter sin really is as we start a new year. As we leave 2019 behind and we enter into 2020, we look and we say, there's some things that are just bitter in my life that shouldn't be there. And I want to really taste and see that the Lord is good. So what is the gospel vision? Let me give you these before we jump into God's word this morning. A gospel vision is when we focus on Christ's sacrifice rather than our sinful indulgence. As we enter into a new year, may the first thing on our minds be what Christ did on our behalf. May we view Christ in in his sacrifice so that when we are faced with the opportunity to sin, that we don't indulge, but we think about the sacrifice that he did. Because it's really hard to indulge in a sinful action when you're thinking that Christ died for that very thing. A 2020 gospel vision is when we focus on Christ's redemption rather than condemnation. What has Christ done in your life? Many of us, we carry into 2020 guilt, regret. Oh, God couldn't love me if he knew what I did. Oh, the church wouldn't accept me. I got to act like I can really see. I, I got to act like I'm not as bad as I really am. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Look at the redemption he has done for you. The 2020 gospel vision is we focus on others' needs, other needs rather than our wants. Pastor Al filled in for me last week. I appreciate that. Pastor Al, he talked about compassion, and he uh, used a Greek word. Am I right? So you're all much smarter now, and none of us can still say it. But um, it means to have compassion, to have your, to really be moved in your bowels, right? <laughs> like, it makes your stomach ache. There's this passion when you see people who are far from God. We focus on our spiritual health rather than our physical fitness. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. Yesterday, I'm sitting there at my house, and the app of the day came up on on Apple, and it was a fitness app. And I thought, I need this fitness app, because I'm trying to fit this pizza in my mouth right now. So I need need this fitness app. And so, you know, 2020, like, let's let's start eating healthy, and let's start running again. I haven't ran since fall break. You know, I've I've fallen off the wagon. Let's, let's Let's be physically fit. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being physically fit. But when all of our passion and all of our energy goes into physical fitness rather than spiritual health, we've missed what's most important. We will devote ourselves to exercise, but we won't always devote ourselves to time with the Lord. We will devote ourselves to eating healthy, but we won't always devote ourselves to feeding on God's Word. What's most important when you get a 2020 gospel vision is focusing on your spiritual health. And last one, we focus on relational freedom rather than religious function. The church is a place where we can function as followers of Jesus Christ in real freedom and relationship with God and with one another. It's not just a place where you say, I need to do what's right, I need to function. A lot of people make 20 uh, New Year's resolutions and they say, you know, in 2020, I'm going to be more part of the church. And I think that's a great thing. But don't just function. Actually follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Give him your life. Follow hard after him. So as we jump into Galatians chapter 5, 1 through 15, I'm going to pray for us and ask for God's word to speak to us. God, we thank you so much for your word. As we enter into a new year, God, we surrender our lives to you. This be your year. God, we desperately want to see you 
in a new way. That we want to taste and see that you are good. Father, reveal yourself to us in a new way today as we read your word. Speak to us through your word and by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, starting verse 1 through 15. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, in that a case uh, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettled you would emasculate themselves. I'm not going to elaborate on that verse. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is God's word. The first thing I want you to see is freedom comes with a fight. Freedom comes with a fight. He says, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We understand that freedom is not cheap. We understand as a, as a nation that is free that it came at a very high cost, right? It reminds me of the great theologian William Wallace. Yeah, yeah from Braveheart. Yeah, the, the Braveheart theologian, as, he, as he's there on his horseback and his face is half-painted, in blue, and he's talking to his countrymen. And he says, you have come to fight as free men. Right? Okay, I won't do the accent. And free men you are. What would you do with that freedom? Will you fight? At some point, these men are standing there, and he says, look, right now you're free. What are you going to do with your freedom? Are you going to fight for it? Are you going to fight to remain free? Maybe uh, Ronald Reagan. You want me to do a Ronald Reagan impersonation? Too bad. Uh, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. It must be fought for. Dwight D. Eisenhower said this, Freedom has its life in our hearts, the actions, the spirit of men, and so it must be daily earned and refreshed, else like a flower cut from its life-giving roots, it will wither and die. These men, they spoke of freedom. And they spoke of freedom in light of the cost that it takes. It takes a fight to keep freedom. There's a fight for freedom, and the fight was won by Christ. Look at verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Your freedom has been given to you through Jesus Christ. We have sang a lot of songs this morning about the freedom we have in Christ because he has defeated sin and death. He has defeated the enemy. He's the one who has given us that freedom. There was a fight, and it was a fight on our behalf, and he won. And he has given us the victory. Our freedom was bought through Christ's fight against sin and death. This is why Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 6.20, 
For you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. He's saying, look, you've got to understand that there was a major fight that took place. And there was a cost. And it was a, it was a very high cost. It cost Jesus his very own life against sin and death. But he rose again on the third day, defeating death so that we could have life. So that we could have freedom from sin. Our freedom was bought through Christ's fight against sin and death. Look again, 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through 58. He says, the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You see what Paul says there? He says, look, you've been given victory. The, the battle has been won. You have been given freedom. So what does he say? He says, be steadfast, immovable. In Galatians, he's saying, stand firm. Don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. He's saying, look, you've been given freedom, and that freedom was not cheap. So therefore, what are you going to do with it? You sit here today as free men and women. What will you do with your freedom? Will you fight? That's the words of William Wallace. Will you fight for freedom, the freedom that has been given to you? Let's keep reading there. He says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Here's what Paul is saying. This is the easy way to remember it. Free people fight sin. Bound people submit to sin. Free people fight sin. Bound people submit to it. It's for freedom that you've been set free. You would not be able to resist sin had you not been given freedom. Free people fight sin. Bound people submit to it. John 8, 34 through 36, Jesus says this, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you have been set free, you are free. You are no longer bound by sin. So we must fight for our freedom to maintain it. Stand firm. Don't submit again. There's two things that want to rob your freedom in 2020. The first one is the yoke of slavery. He says there, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Yoke is this religious rule following for one's own justification. This is exactly what these false teachers are doing. They're working their way in, and they're teaching these Galatian churches that you must be, uh, you must be circumcised in order to be saved. There's something that you must do, and so we're going to put a little bit of this law back on top of you. You want to be justified before God? Then there's something you must do. He's saying, don't submit again to this yoke of slavery. This, I have to achieve for God to be, for, for me to win God's approval. He said, no, if, if you do that, then what Christ did is of no value to you. George Whitefield says this, true conversion means turning not only from sin, but also from depending on self-made righteousness. There is a slavery in the church it goes unnoticed. It's the slavery to the yoke of rule following. I better do these things in order for God to be pleased with me. And there's such condemnation and guilt that goes along with that that people walk into church with their heads down. I failed this week. God must be really disappointed in me. It's for freedom that you've been set free. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. Be immovable. Fight for your freedom. There are two things. The second thing is this, the yeast 
of sin. You got the yoke of slavery and the yeast of sin. He says a little leaven in verse 9, leavens the whole lump. But you were called to freedom, brothers, verse 13. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Jesus talks about yeast and leaven in Matthew 16, 6. He says, be careful to his disciples. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When he talks about this yeast, he's talking about just a little bit of sin. Just a little bit of pride. Just a little bit of arrogance. Just a little bit of accepted sin. There's two things that want to rob you of freedom that you're going to have to stand firm against in 2020. The yoke of slavery. Feeling like you should do something in order to earn God's favor. And number two, just a little bit of sin. Just letting just a little bit of that in. Because a little bit leavens the whole lump. You know it's true that it doesn't take much pride to push us towards selfishness. Just a little bit of pride. Doesn't take much. Doesn't take much arrogance to accept sin. Maybe you've said it this way. Oh, it's no big deal. I've got this. It's not going to affect me. And it doesn't take much sin to enslave us. Some, don't submit, again, to a yoke of slavery. Charles Kingsley says this, There are two freedoms. The false, where a man is free to do what he likes, and the true, where he is free to do what he ought. You are free. Church, you are free in Christ to do what you ought to do. Charles Spurgeon said this, Remember that if you are a child of God, you will never be happy in sin. As you look at 2020, and you look at your life, and you look at your relationship with the Lord, and you look at a clear gospel vision of Him, if you're unhappy, you have to ask yourself, is there sin that I've allowed just a little bit of sin in that has infected my whole life to where I... I'm just not happy. I'm struggling in my relationship with the Lord. 1 John 3, 9, John writes this, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. I want to explain this to you, so I wrote this down. It's there on the screen. If you're born of God, you have been given a new nature. The seed of Jesus replaces the seed of Adam. From that seed, the life of sanctification begins to grow into every area and aspect of your life. There is always areas of conviction and growth and areas of repentance and surrender. This means that areas that used to practice sin are grieved and can no longer grow. Get this picture. The seed of Christ has been placed in you, and it's growing. And it is growing, and so it might look like, man, this never used to convict me, but now it does. I used to never think this way, but now I think this way, that, that this is not right with the Lord. So you've got this seed of Christ that is growing into every area of your life. And if it's growing into new areas of your life in 2020, then there's going to be new areas of conviction, new areas of repentance, new areas of surrender where you're saying, now I want to be more and more and more like Jesus Christ, where his character lives in and through me. And so there's this sanctification that takes place. And if that is you, if the seed of Christ has been placed in you, then the areas of your life that have, you've tried to seclude and hold off and say, no, this is just a little bit of sin. I'm going to practice just a little bit of sin. Those areas will eventually be affected by the Spirit of God to where you can no longer practice sin without conviction. So maybe a prayer in 2020 is, reveal to me the areas of my life that I've kept from you. Reveal to me the areas of my life where I've accepted just a little bit of sin. Reveal to me the areas of life that I need to surrender to you. Because freedom comes 
with a fight. The second thing is freedom comes with faith, working through love. Let's just work through these scriptures real quick. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So let's look at these one by one. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Paul's essentially saying if you believe that there is something that you must do to be saved, essentially you believe that Christ's work is not enough. If you want to submit back to a yoke of slavery, thinking that there's something you must do in order for you to be accepted by God, then you're saying that Christ's work on the cross wasn't enough. That's pretty bold language. He goes on and says, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Paul essentially is saying, if you believe that there are certain laws that you must keep to be right with God, then essentially you believe that all the laws must be kept to be right with God. That's slavery. I can't do it. There's no way I can keep all the laws. There's no way. That's why Jesus had to come. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. Jesus came because he could keep all the laws, and we can't. So in Christ, we've been given grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. Verse 4, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Paul essentially is saying, if you believe that you are justified by the law, you have chosen to live according to legalism rather than liberty. Basically, you would rather be judged by your good works rather than God's grace. I don't think there's a single one of us in here that would rather be judged by our good works than by God's grace. Amen? Because we know we can't do it. There is no other gospel. That's what Paul's saying. There's no other gospel. Jesus Christ did it all because you can't. There's nothing else to be held to. There's liberty. We sang about it. When you talk about liberty, people get a little uncomfortable. Liberty doesn't, doesn't do away with the obligations of holy conduct. Rather, grace gives you the liberty to finally live with holy conduct. It doesn't do away with holy conduct. You don't get to just use your freedom to live however you want. You've been given freedom so that you can live how you ought. That's a big difference there. Verse 5, keep going. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Paul is essentially saying, if you believe your external adherence to religious rules counts for anything, you're mistaken. All that matters is faith working through love. It goes back to the very basics of Christianity. What's the greatest commandment? Matthew 22, 37 through 39. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul's explaining Christian freedom to the, to the churches of Galatia. Christian freedom is being able to finally live in a right, loving relationship with God. You are free. You are free indeed, so love God. Christian freedom is being able to finally live a life that is not free to sin, but free from a life that practices sin. So stand firm. 
It doesn't mean that you're not going to have sins that creep in your life. It doesn't mean that. It means that you will no longer be someone who accepts and practices sin with no conviction. There will always be conviction. Christian freedom is being able to finally live a life of faith that loves God and loves others. Faith working through love. Let's pick up where we left off in 1 John. Starting verse 10, he says, By it, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. In 2020, as you look at all the things that are on your list of, I better be better at this, I better do this, let's try this. Let me ask you, are you going to love others the way Christ loves you? Because really all that matters is faith working itself through love. A love of God and a love of others. The two really can't be separated. So this brings me to my last point. Freedom comes with focusing on serving others over serving ourselves. Pick up in verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Through love serve one another. This is an interesting word. Paul's been talking about freedom. You've got freedom. You've got freedom. And he says, but serve. The word serve there is the same word as slave. What an interesting choice of words. This means the love, that a love for God manifests itself in a love for neighbor, and the two are inseparable. You're a slave, a bondservant to the Lord. God, I serve you all the days of my life, and when you do that, you will serve others. This means you can't say that you love someone if you aren't willing to serve that someone. Love is a choice to serve, not just a feeling of satisfaction. This means you're freed from sin to serve. You're freed from sin to serve. In 2020, as we look at what Christ has called us to, I want you to see it as something he's called you to love. Who has he called you to love this year? That means, who has he called you to serve this year? Serving is loving. Through love, serve who? One another. One another, the Christian life is a life lived in community. This is interesting. This means that you are called to assemble together as the body of Christ in order to serve one another out of love, not out of obligation. When we're called to be part of the church, we're called to be a people of love. We're called to love one another, serve one another, Pray with one another. Learn with one another. Carry one another's burdens. A Christian life is one lived in community. Not out of obligation, but out of love. This means we're called to assemble together as the body of Christ in order to serve more than to be served. This is why I believe there's so many problems in the church. There's this misconception that you go to church to get something out of it rather than you go to church to give something. And when your mindset is to go to church to get something out of it, your mindset is on yourself, not on others. 
But he assembled the church to be a body that serves one another, to love one another. So if your mindset is to come to church to give and not to get, then you may not bite and devour one another, as so many do. He says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Paul is saying to the church, if you use each other, if you accuse each other, if you abuse each other for your own selfish consumption, you're basically practicing spiritual cannibalism and destroying the church. If you view that it's all about you in 2020, you might find yourself verbally abusing the church, accusing the church. And you, and you hear it all the time. Well, they're just not doing what I need them to do anymore. Well, I'm just not getting much out of it anymore. I just don't feel like I'm loved anymore. There's all kinds of things that we hear when really we have to ask, am I here to serve? Am I here to be in a right relationship with God and the church? So there's three types of relationships. Selfish plus selfish. You get two selfish people in a relationship, you have a sick relationship. Am I right? Because it becomes very competitive. It becomes, a, you're not doing enough for me. You're not doing enough for me. And they become very sick in that relationship. Selfish plus servant. Where you have one person who's selfish and one person who's there to serve. And you get a sadistic or a cruel relationship. That's a relationship where one person is just continually trying and trying and trying. And the other one is continually taking and taking and taking. Or a servant plus a servant relationship. A salubrious relationship or a healthy or healthy giving health-giving relationship. This is what the church should be, a health-giving relationship, where we all come to serve one another. When it comes to relationships, we have been set free from the sin of serving ourselves, so that we can serve others. When it comes to relationships, we have been set free from the slavery of using people to serve ourselves. So in 2020, who are you called to serve? Who are you called to love? Because you've been set free. You've been set free indeed. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 20, 26 through 28. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 2020. May we be a church that serves. May we be a church that loves. May we be a church that uses our freedom, that we stand firm in, immovable, because Christ has set us free. We're free indeed. Thanks for listening. It is our prayer that this message has helped you grow in your walk with Christ. Please subscribe to hear new sermons each week.